0: You are listening to Creation Talk, a Creation.com podcast, proclaiming the truth to honor the Creator while providing credible answers. Hi, I'm Scott Gillis, and I'm here with my associate, Dr. Jonathan Safady, one of our scientists. G'day, Scott. Jono, today we're going to be talking about the day we celebrate the resurrection, and obviously. The resurrection is an important doctrinal issue in well, the Bible, you have no, to say No that.
1: resurrection, no Christianity, that's right. as blunt as right. I can be.
0: As another holiday where we did an uh, episode on Christmas, there are many people that say that we shouldn't even celebrate Christmas because it has pagan origins. And, but today we're going to talk about this idea that some people say that Easter also has pagan origins,
1: Right. That seems to come from a a very bad book called The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop in the 19th century uh, with some really ridiculous historical um, claims which have no basis in fact and, and really outside of scripture. And one of the things he says is that Easter is related to a pagan goddess, Astarte or Ishtar. There's a, a coincidental sound similarity, but there's no linguistic connection between this ancient Semitic word and the English word. And in fact, when you look at the other languages, they're all based on the Hebrew word Pesach via the Greek Pascha. So you look at the language like Spanish Pasqua, okay? Yeah. Uh, most of the languages, Russian, also Pascha. So, so where, why, if it's a pagan celebration, why have no almost no other languages adopted the same word that's a good test we had for Crispus as well if it doesn't work in the other languages it's probably not pagan in English either
0: yeah I read your article on this and I remember one of the things you mentioned is in South Africa the word scat means treasure. Yes, but in Greek, the word skata, which sounds oh. just like it, means something very different. Very different. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in fact, excrement. So, yes. so obviously, just because two words sound alike doesn't necessarily yeah. logically conclude that they have their same origin.
1: Yeah, that's that's very sloppy linguistics on his part. And uh, then when you can actually trace the word Easter, it goes back to, say, Tyndall's version of the Bible, of the earliest translation into what's called early modern English. The King James is basically 80% of Tyndall. Okay. And the thing is, the word he used for Passover was actually Esther. It's a, it's a Middle English and Old English word for Passover. So hence, Tyndall talked about Esther,
0: a feast of the Jews, which means the Passover. Oh, and that's part of the reason why we now call... That celebration of resurrection, Easter.
1: Yeah, because other languages, the word Pascha means both Passover and Easter. At the same time. At the same time. Okay. Uh, in English, you, you had Esther meaning both Passover and what we now call Easter. And Tyndall talked about Christ, our Esther lamb.
0: Okay, what, yes. what do you, What does that mean? It means the
1: Passover lamb. Oh, okay. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover, where an innocent lamb was slain, the blood painted the doorpost, and the angel of death passed over the Hebrew household. In fact, Tyndall invented the word Passover, in fact, for that, right. quite logical.
0: And so this is much of where the word Easter finds its roots. It is. So, as opposed to what many are saying, that it has this pagan origin in the word. Yeah, they clearly
1: don't know anything about uh, the history of the English language if they're saying such things. It's complete nonsensical.
0: Right, and I I think of other words. uh, You know, you, you probably know I drive a Mazda. You know, oh, my goodness. Which yes. is named after a Zoroastrian uh, uh, deity. Yes, and, they're the uh, main
1: good deity in right. Zoroastrian. And
0: I bought my uh, daughter some Nike shoes. Oh, and which is a Greek god. It's for a victory. Greek, yeah, Greek okay. god. And I've been known to uh, chew trident gum. Oh, and today is Thursday, which is named after Thor, the thunder Four. god, you know. Right. Okay. So and nobody seems to be concerned about those issues. Mm. So why do you think some Christians are so adamant about this idea that these. Uh, celebrations that we have have pagan origins. Well, I think
1: it goes back to that Hislop book in the 19th century, and it's become a religion all of its own. Man-made traditions are quite powerful. Um, look at the Pharisees with Jesus. Okay, so they defend their man-made traditions and forget about why the reason we're supposed to be celebrating it. And that's the most important thing. What are we celebrating? Not what we call the celebration.
0: Now, in that celebration of Easter that we now have, of course, most or many people, excuse me, they first think of things like the Easter Bunny and Easter eggs, and right. of course, a lot of Christians have issues with that because it's kind of commercializing the idea. But oh, yeah. I think in your article you said that there's even some Christian roots in those ideas. Is that right?
1: Well, that's right. I mean, it's interesting how atheists are using the same arguments as Alexander Hislop have uh, just run with these to try to mock Christianity, but. Uh, the Easter egg comes from the Lenten celebration before Easter where people would give up something, in this yes. case, eating eggs. But instead of wasting all the eggs, they'd hard boil them um, for eating after Lent was over, and okay. they would color their eggs with red to symbolize the blood of Christ. Okay, so you got it's, it's a Christian's idea, not a pagan idea. I'm not saying you have to have Easter eggs, yep. but it comes from Christians and not from pagans.
0: And what about this idea of the, of the, the rabbit? Or I guess in your article you said a hare.
1: Yeah, it's the Easter here, and again, that goes back to medieval Christian Germany. It's not pagan, it's Christian medieval Germany. So again, the so-called pagan, if it was pagan, it would be much older than that. But in fact, we can't see it before medieval times.
0: So a lot of these traditions that are associated with Easter actually have Christian origins. Mm. When it comes to Easter eggs, I think we're all thankful for those little chocolate ones. Yeah, <laughs> so, I think so. Yeah. And there's nothing un- unbiblical about chocolate any, any time of year. And aren't we thankful? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So let's deal with the second question that we were mm. talking about. And that was this idea that actually came to me just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I had a man approach me, and he was quite emotional in talking about how The Bible couldn't be true because Mm. of one thing, and that was because Jesus said that he would be in the tomb for three days and three nights and told me that uh, 72 hours hadn't passed from the time of the crucifixion on Good Friday all the way to Easter that Sunday.
1: Well, I mean, some people answer that wrongly in my view uh, by saying that Jesus therefore must have been crucified on a Wednesday because that would fit the 72 hours, but that has problems of its own.
0: Yes, because the scripture is very clear that Jesus was crucified on the day of preparation, which right. would have been the day right before Sabbath, Yeah, which would name it Friday.
1: And that's how the church has always understood it. Right, yeah.
0: right. So I think if we can go back to the original scriptures, we can maybe get clues about why. I think so, because
1: people have this uh, modern Western way of counting as opposed to how the Jews would count, which was to count any part of a day as a whole day. I mean, we have this in English because of a uh, hotel hire, we hire by the night. Uh, even if it's not a, t- a full 24-hour stay, we get dinged for, the, for any part
0: of that 24-hour stay. Right, for a night. Yeah. So this original scripture comes from Matthew twelve forty. We have Jesus speaking mm-hmm. for himself. He says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And of course mm. the challenge there is that it had to have been 72 hours three days times 24 hours but like you said that's a Western interpretation of what's meant by the word day
1: and you can show from the Bible itself that's clear the Jews understood it as being any part of those three days three whole days or any part thereof right yes. in
0: the in the article you wrote on this subject, you referred here to 1 Kings twenty twenty nine as an example of that. Mm-hmm. And here we read, And they encamped opposite one another seven days. Then on the seventh day, the battle was joined. So you see, they camped for seven days, right, and it wasn't after that that they did mm. the, the battle on the eighth day, but they did it on the seventh Which day. Which
1: shows that on the seventh day and for
0: seven days are used interchangeably in the same sentence. Exactly, and I found another piece of scripture here in the book of Esther mm-hmm. that is similar. Esther 4.16, Esther's calling for a fast, and here we read that she says, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day.
1: So basically it's all three days and three nights. Yes. Three
0: days. But just a few verses earlier here in chapter 5, verses 1, it says, On the third day Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace. Doesn't say on the fourth day, after those three days of fasting, day and night, mm. but on the third day. This is a really common uh, expression right. in Hebrew, right?
1: I mean— You've got two choices. Either these very skilled authors make this elementary mistake over and over again, or else this, the phrases are used interchangeably, and it's for far better to realize this is how the Jews counted. So on the third day, after three days, mean the same thing uh, in Jewish counting.
0: And even in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, it says mm. that, that there was evening and morning the first day, evening and morning the second day that a Jewish day starts at dusk, doesn't Mm -hmm. it?
1: That's what they seem to count, yes. In
0: fact, I remember when I was in Jerusalem not too long ago, it was a Friday night, and there was lots of music and excitement and noise until dusk came. And then the streets, all the, the doors closed, they got locked up and the streets went silent. In fact, I even mm. saw a uh, an interesting little convenience store, mm-hmm. and the sign on it said that they were open 24-6, You know, which is really oh, funny. Because, From yes. our Western standpoint, right. we yeah. see 24-7, but yeah. here it's 24-6. And
1: the Sabbath began on what we would call Friday nights.
0: Right. So the explanation of Jesus raising on the third day, being there for three days and three nights is quite simple, isn't it?
1: That They mean the same thing, and the Gospels even say things. Uh, Matthew's Gospel, written by Jew, for Jews, said three days and three nights, but it also said until the third day. You have a guard until the third day. Surely you want to say until the fourth day. Yeah, if it so, meant 20, uh, 72 hours, you'd say until the fourth day. Um, other passages say over and over again, raise on the
0: third day. Yeah. In fact, I have a portion of your article here. When it says the third day, it says it four times in the Bible. In three days, five times. On the third day, six times. Three days later, two times. And all three days, it says it two times. There's just one place where Jesus says that Mm. he will be in the tomb for three days and three nights. And if we just simply say that Friday, mm-hmm. which we now call Good Friday, that day of preparation before the Sabbath, right. that counted as the first day because it was before dusk. Yeah. Then we have the Sabbath itself, Saturday.
1: Which is, in fact, began at Friday
0: sundown, yes. That's right, and it lasted until the Saturday sun, until sundown Saturday, which yeah. would have been the first day of the week the uh the day after Sabbath and the day that he rose from the dead, which we now call Easter.
1: Right. And that's actually because this parts of Friday, parts of no parts of Friday, parts of Sunday, all day of the Sabbath Saturday, that counts as three days and three nights, and it counts as on the third day, it counts as after three days. So clearly from all this data, these all mean the same thing. And that's how right. Jews would have understood it.
0: And in fact, in your article, you mentioned how even the enemies of Jesus at that time knew exactly what this meant. Mm. When we go to Matthew 27, verses 62 through 64, it says, the next day, that is, the after the day of preparation, so that would be on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, and they said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, that after three days I will arise. Therefore, Order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples Mm. go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. So So, after three days and until the third day. Right. So they they even use those terms interchangeably Mm -hmm. right here within this very passage. So we clearly can see how that is the answer to what many consider to be a tough question. And, of course, the resurrection, the importance of it here in 1 Corinthians 15, Mm -hmm. verses 3 and 4, Paul tells us that that he delivered to us first the importance of what he received, that Christ died for our sins Mm -hmm. in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried... And that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. On the third day, yeah. And that this was of first importance. The resurrection is terribly important. And he
1: goes on to say in that chapter, if he was not raised physically from a dead, then we are to be pitied because we're still dead in our
0: sin. Right. So we've seen today a couple challenges. Mm-hmm. One is from Christians to each other. You
1: know, Which um, she, atheists have actually copied some of these Christians, unfortunately. True. Yes. But it's
0: good for us Christians mm-hmm. to go ahead and, and consider these things. That's one sure. of the things that we do in our website. Mm-hmm. For example, you can find answers about this idea of Easter being having pagan roots in your article. Just go to creation.com slash Easter, mm-hmm. and you can read that article. As well as creation.com resurrection, where you'll see an article that will talk about that previous episode and mm-hmm. if you just abbreviate that to creation.com res r e s you'll find a whole list of articles that address Jesus's resurrection mm-hmm. his crucifixion and things affiliated with that but you know i think it's more important to consider that second question that there's a lot of people in our culture that mm-hmm. that challenge a straightforward reading of the bible that they say that there's contradictions within the scripture itself right And I'd like to especially just talk about this particular book that we Mm -hmm. have on our website. You can find it at creation.com called Keeping Faith in the Age of Reason. And in this book, there are 420 alleged Mm. contradictions in scriptures that are specifically outlined. And these contradictions have been put out on the internet over and over again. The same list seems to reappear. So if you want a defense for your faith about how the Bible truly is the Word of God and it's inerrant, this would be a great book to have Mm -hmm. on your shelf to be able to refer to that. But more important, you know, the biggest challenge that seems to be facing in our culture against a straightforward reading of the Bible, right?
1: What do you think that is then?
0: (laughs) Well, that evolutionary idea.
1: And even the Hugh Ross idea of long ages.
0: Right. So we are dealing with that all the time Mm -hmm. on our website, creation.com. So we really ask people to go ahead and, and get equipped with a defense for your faith. The answers to these challenges are readily available. I think we have like over 13,000 articles on our website now. We do now, now, yes. And they address pretty much every challenging question that's ever been brought up against a straightforward reading of the Bible. So thank you, Jonathan. Thank you too, Scott. And we appreciate your time, and we'll look forward to catching you on the next episode of creation.com talk. Thank you.
1: Thank you.